Well, <coughs> last week I started on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit again this morning. But I wanted to start this morning by having Casey come forward and share just a, I guess you could call it a testimony that she has. Well, this is really brief, but I told Pastor Mike, I think on Friday, while we were here at the church, and just thanked him for his message on the fruit of the Spirit. And last week I was in church, and I was just kind of pondering this all, this fruit of the Spirit. And I knew I had the fruit of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit was in me. So I knew I had the Holy Spirit in me, but I just really desired to see the fruit of the Spirit at a greater level in my life. And so I remember just, it wasn't even a long prayer, but I just asked the Lord, like, Lord, grow in me these fruit so they can be displayed uh, in my life. And wow, it's amazing that that actually happened (laughs) in the last week. Um, I just, and I told him, on Friday, I just was full of joy this past week. And I couldn't explain it, but even in the moments that I really wasn't supposed to be full of joy, I found this just underlining joy in my life and just kind of had an extra pep in my step this last week, I guess you could say. Um, Another way that I saw this happen in my life is with those areas of self-control and patience. Um, There was a few moments that were just so the Lord. It was definitely the Holy Spirit because in my own strength, um, in those moments, one in the car with my children fighting over a toy, um, Casey would have come unglued. Um, But I just took a moment to hold my tongue and we cranked some VBS music and um, we sang in the middle of the storm of the fight. And that was just another way that, like, the Holy Spirit was just prompting me to do exactly what I had desired. So I guess it was just encouraging for me. Oftentimes we think of the gifts of the Spirit, and we ask for those. You know, the Lord says, ask and you'll receive. But I think that's the same goes for these fruit. You know, we have them in us already. Um, But just to earnestly desire them. You know, and the joy thing, there's two parts to this, I think. One is there's this supernatural thing that happens. Like the joy, I could not produce it in my strength, in my flesh. There was just this joy in me. I couldn't produce it. But then there's a second part of it, and that's an obedience on our part. And there were moments where I had to take those moments where my flesh could have reacted, but I had to respond in obedience to the Holy Spirit and act out in those fruits. So it was encouraging to me in a lot of ways. And sure, I fell short, but um, I was sharing this just yesterday with Chris, and he goes, yeah, you were really nice this week. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yes, another one, kindness. (laughs) I didn't even know that was displayed. But anyway, we all fall short at moments. But I just wanted to encourage you, ask the Lord, and you will receive. Amen. Thank you. My thought was she can say as much in five minutes as I'm going to say in the next 30. You know, she touched on a whole bunch of things that I'm going to be elaborating on. Um, it is encouraging to know that um, there is a power within us as Christians 
that is so much greater than our flesh, if we will just take some of our own responsibility, invite the Holy Spirit, and then surrender and crucify that flesh. Um, that supernatural power thing, you know, sometimes it's like, I don't know that I can do this. The answer is you can't in your own strength. Short term, maybe. Long term, never. But if we surrender that, the Holy Spirit, it's like that as soon as we make the decision, in spite of how hard it might be, there's a release of God's grace. That grace of God. Sometimes we only think of grace as favor. It's powerful. Grace has a power dimension to it. So I'm going to be talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit this morning. And the title of my message is really The Fruit of Christ-Likeness. The Fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Some of what I'm going to say is going to be a little bit repetitive maybe from last week. I, I Short-term memory issues sometimes. Especially this time. You know, I, gotta, I always tell people I really can't see that clock. It just goes away. So when I go over time. But... Last night, yesterday, I was working on the message as soon as our meeting in the morning was over. And sometimes when I'm working on a message, it's just a struggle. It's just a grind to put anything on a piece of paper. And, and you know, I pray, Lord, you know, whatever it is you want me to share, I, it'd be nice if you'd show up about now because I got other things I want to do. But I also realized when I'm doing that, what I've probably already started working on has got a lot of flesh in it, a lot of mic in it. So <laughs> full disclosure, I had five pages of notes for my message today, and that generally I have one and a half. How many of you want to say, praise the Lord, he changed it? <laughs> so I got through with the revisions, which were major, and it turned into just two Amen. Thank you. <laughs> so, it wasn't completed till very late last night. So I'm asking for grace. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. Against such things there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. They that are of Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Notice it's fruit of the Spirit. It's not works of the flesh. And it's certainly not fruit of the flesh. Anything that's of works of our flesh in any way, shape, or form is bad. Matter of fact, in Hebrews I believe it's in chapter 12, it refers to the works of the flesh as dead works. These are not dead works. As a matter of fact, they're not even works of our own strength. You know, we can conjure up things that look like this fruit that I'm talking about, love, joy, peace, etc. But they're coming from our flesh. If they're coming from our flesh, I mean, you'd think to yourself, can they really fake it and use them in a bad way? No, not the real deal, you can't. But I can put on some fake love or some fake joy or some fake kindness with all the kinds of ulterior motives that are selfish, manipulative. Use them. They're not real. They are not the fruit of the Spirit. They're works of the flesh and they're dead works. But the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit produces life. They are life-giving. 
The fruit of the Spirit are living. They are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living. They are living fruit. And as Casey said, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, which as believers we do, that fruit is already there. And I used to, as I said last week, always look at that list of the nine attributes of that fruit and I'd pick and choose which ones were doing pretty good and feel good about myself and kind of ignore the ones that weren't so good. So I wouldn't have to feel bad about myself. But the reality is, it's a package deal. Whether you look at it as nine fruit or nine characteristics or attributes of one fruit, I really don't care. But I think it's one fruit. And they're all present. And whether there's nine fruits or what, they're all supposed to be present. And they're all supposed to be living in us and developing in our lives by us. And this is the way that it's supposed to be. God intended it this way from the very beginning with fruit. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its own kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. So the fruit tree yielding fruit of its own kind, its seed was in itself. You know, it's not very complicated and hard to understand, but basically it's simply saying apples contain apple seeds and will produce more apples. Oranges contain orange seed, will produce more oranges. Grapes, you get it, right? So let's go on. What's the big deal there? There is a spiritual application to that that applies to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's really part of the law or a manifestation of the law of sowing and reaping. You ever noticed if... Everybody gets up on Sunday morning and dad's in a really bad mood. We'll just use that word. Bad mood. Doesn't take long that everybody's kind of in a bad mood. But if you wake up and you're in a great mood and the joy is there and you're excited, everything else gets a little bit better. You can kind of bring the others even along with you. And the spiritual thing here about this is, it would mean as we walk in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are being manifested in our life, when we love others, love grows. When the joy of the Lord is being manifested in our life, the joy grows. Whether it's peace or patience, long, all of these things, they're living things and they're being planted in other people's lives from us and they will produce fruit. So just as if, as God says, the orange is going to produce oranges, the grape is going to produce grapes, the fruit of the Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's a living thing. It goes on living in the lives of believers that get to be recipients of the fruit from our own life. It's a great thing. You remember last week I mentioned John chapter 15. That's where you'll find the story where Jesus is teaching about abiding in Him and the vine and the branches. In chapter five, or verse 5 in chapter 15, Jesus says these words, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, I am love. I am love. It's not what he does, it's who he is. I am love. If you abide in me, in the vine, in my love. The love will throw, flow to the branches. And if you remember that illustration I used last week, if you picture the blossom of the fruit tree, 
that blossom could represent the love, and out of that blossom comes all the fruit. So as we abide in Jesus, we're abiding in the vine, we're abiding in His love, it's flowing to us as the branches, and the rest of the fruit comes forth. It's an amazing thing that should happen naturally in the life of a Christian. I get really tired in a hurry of trying to be patient in my flesh. I can talk like this when my wife's not here to say amen. But it's true, in the flesh, it's just a struggle. And I don't care which one of those nine characteristics of the fruit you want to talk about, it's a struggle. Uh, how do you do in self-control? Ouch. It's a struggle. But in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit's fruit. He's growing it. We have a role to play, which we'll talk about, but it should be happening naturally in the life of a Christian. He's the vine. We are the branches. Now, we know in the story of the vine, it talks about pruning and all. You know, allowing the fruit, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, is hard sometimes. Painful even, sometimes. You know, we're, we're called to, in uh, Romans 12, verse 1, it says, we're to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice because this is our reasonable act of worship. Let's do some reasonable worship this morning. Let's all lay out on our lives as a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament picture that comes to mind, what did they do with the sacrifice? They put it on the altar. And what did they do then? Burnt it. You know, every time I try to turn my life into a living sacrifice, I get out of there in a hurry because it gets too hot. It's hard. But that's part of the process. And God will always enable us to go through the process as we cooperate. The Greek word for fruit that's translated into fruit simply refers to the natural process of living. Natural process. And you could go on and make some great analogies to fruit. Fruit is sweet. Fruit, fruit tastes good. You know, if I want to have a steak, somebody's got to get a cow, kill a cow, process the cow. I've got to go buy it. I've got to cook it. And then I finally eat it. Want a piece of fruit? A piece of fruit? What do you do? Go to the tree. You pick it off the tree and you eat it. It's easy. It tastes good. It's refreshing. It's the only thing. You know, it's no wonder in, in Genesis, God says, you know what? You eat of all the fruit. You know, if, if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, I wonder if we wouldn't have all been fruitarians and lived on fruit. It kind of almost reads that way when I look at it. And I'm willing to give up red meat. But that doesn't happen very often. The fruit of the Spirit in every born-again believer, it doesn't grow overnight. It's there. But it doesn't grow overnight. For the fruit of the Spirit to really grow, I, I think Casey hit on a couple things when she was visiting with me. First thing is, for the fruit of the Spirit to really grow in our life, we got to submit. Or use the word obedience, if you would. Or maybe use the word just surrender. And what do I need to usually submit or surrender? My selfish will. That's what I usually need to lay down. Whatever the situation is with the fruit, I need to surrender. And as I surrender, the Holy Spirit is then able to operate. Not that he couldn't, but he won't override us. He won't override our will. But as I surrender my will to His, the fruit of the Spirit will naturally produce 
reproduced in my life. It's a great process if we just cooperate. Some of the things that we need to do simply are some of the basics we always talk about. Be in the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Get to know the Lord better. Get to understand Him better, who He is, what He wants for us. As we're in fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, we learn more. We can fellowship and be encouraged and strengthened by one another as we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. The fruit in this that's already there, it's not my fruit, it's the Holy Spirit's fruit, but it begins to reproduce and grow and manifest those attributes, those characteristics, manifest in your life and in my life. One of the things that I felt that I needed to share this morning that I hadn't had in my original thoughts was, and this is what my outline says, the superiority of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The superiority of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Casey touched on this and she shared. You know, when we hear somebody say, or I say, I want to do the things that Jesus did. What are you talking about? Most of us. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. I want to cast out demons in Jesus' name. I would love to go down to the mortician and say, who's dead? I want to raise them. Nothing wrong with any of those. So don't get me wrong when I'm talking about superiority of something else. But we usually think, especially in charismatic circles who believe that the gifts are for today, they operate today, they're available today, they're God's will that they function today, which I believe wholeheartedly. But I believe, as I look at Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit are superior to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'll show you why. But when I say I want to do the things that Jesus does, the first thing that doesn't come to my mind is, I want to love like Jesus. I want to be patient like Jesus. I want to be long-suffering like Jesus. I want to have the joy like Jesus. Oh, golly, I want to be in self-control like Jesus. That's not what comes to my mind. And I think we are really getting things out of whack. Again, I'm not diminishing anything when I'm saying about the superiority of the fruit. How can they be more superior? Well, True fruit of the Holy Spirit, true fruit, not faked, not conjured up, true fruit of the Holy Spirit cannot be abused. A lot of the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be abused. Matter of fact, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit even have laws and rules about how to handle them. Why? Because they can be abused. The fruit of the Holy Spirit cannot be abused. How else can it be superior? How many have the gift of prophecy? These are rhetorical. Don't raise your hands. How many have the gift of prophecy? How many have the gift of giving? How many have the gift of teaching? How many have this gift, that gift, the other gift? As we go through that list, hands would pop up here and there across the body because the Bible says clearly we are given gifts and it compares it to parts of the body. The ear is for hearing. The tongue is for speaking. The eyes are for seeing. We have certain gifts and they're given as God desires to spread them out about the, about the, God, about the body so that the body benefits from it. But we don't all have all the gifts. Guess what? We all have equal access to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can all have access to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There are lots of times people get their eyes on gifts of the Holy Spirit that other people have. 
And if we're not careful, all of a sudden we find ourselves maybe a little jealous or a little critical or a little this or a little that. Sometimes we feel like we're not good enough. Boy, I haven't got what he's got or she's got. Sometimes we look at position and say, boy, oh boy, oh boy, if I would just be more spiritual, I could be like that person or this person. The reality is, in the gifts, they're not for everybody at the same time. They're going to be different. We all have some. And they're all given by God. But we all have equal set access to the gifts or to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Think of the most spiritual person you want. Let's go with Billy Graham, even though, you know. Mother Teresa, boy, I wish I had a servant's heart like her. You could. Every one of us could. The fruit of the Spirit are available to every single one of us in fullness if we just surrender and get out of the way doing the things that Jesus did. Fruit. They're living fruit and they produce like kind. Don't you know, can you imagine? Um, you know, someone said, geez, that Mike, he is so impatient. I wish he would become more patient. Well, if you have a relationship with me, guess how I could become more patient? Sow fruit of patience into my life. Demonstrate the patience of Jesus with me. Feel, I wish they're such a drag to be around. They're never joyful. Ever. He's a real downer. Sow the joy the fruit of the Holy Spirit into my life. And God says it will produce fruit. It will have an effect. How much of an effect will depend on when I start to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. When I start to surrender to the Holy Spirit. When I begin to crucify flesh in my own life. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, talking about the gifts. And again, I don't want you to hear the gifts are bad. They're not. They're awesome. They're amazing. They're from God, for goodness sakes. But Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just noise. I'm static. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I can have all those gifts and they're worthless in God's eyes. I have nothing. I need the fruit of the Spirit, love. I need love, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not that the gifts are bad in any way, shape, or form, but it seems what Paul is trying to say is the gifts of the Holy Spirit need to be monitored by, overseen by, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The gifts being manifested in the fruit is God's design. It's God's design. The fruit available to all, every single one of us. It appears to me that bearing fruit is the primary goal. And I say that because the Holy Spirit's primary task in the life of a believer is to do what? There's maybe more than one answer there, but mine is this. Transform me into the image of Christ. 
bring glory and honor to God. That's what he's supposed to do. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is evidence of Christ-likeness. The more we can see of those nine attributes or nine characteristics, they are the marks of a growing Christian. They are the signs of a maturing Christian. They are the evidence of Christ-likeness. You know, if someone would say, God, they, how would I, I want to be like that person. They are so like Christ. And you ask him, what do you mean? You know, what, what kind of words do you hear? More often than not, what you're going to hear are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They're just so kind and they're so good. They're so gentle. They're always filled with joy. They just love everybody. They don't mess up. They, they just be able to control themselves. All of a sudden, they're just going down this list and it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that live and dwell in me and they live and dwell in you, and they're seeds that are ready to grow, but they don't grow overnight, and they need some nurturing. Those seeds can only be planted by the Holy Spirit, but there is a watering and a fertilizing, there's a weeding that needs to take place, there's a pruning that's often required to bear much fruit. And those things require, once again, surrender, submission, doing some of the right things, being in the Word, fellowshipping with like-minded believers, doing all of these things. Our task is to produce fruit. And it's more about being than doing. You know, God is so much more concerned with our being and who we are than what we do. He's way more concerned about, I believe, the fruit in our life of the Holy Spirit than he is about those gifts that he's given us. Because without the fruit, the gifts are nothing. And even worldly Christians, and I don't even know how to define that phrase, but worldly Christians, they can do some good things. They can do some really good things. But is the fruit present? doing some good things. Even some worldly Christians can do sometimes better than me in certain areas or characteristics of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There might be some really worldly Christian out there who is way more patient than I am. But whatever fruit is present will be diminished or canceled, wiped out by the lack of any other fruit. It's kind of like if you had a... a, a, a what do you call it? Cluster, cluster maybe. A cluster of grapes and one of them's rotting. What best do you do quickly? Remove it. Or, they, or pretty soon they're all going to be rotting. And it's kind of like with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's why we, we want to see all nine of these manifesting in our lives because the one that's lacking is going to cause the others to spoil. Especially when it comes to our witness and our testimony. We need to be focused on doing what we can do to produce the fruit. And as again, as I've said, submission, surrender. You know, can we quench the Spirit or can we resist the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes, we can. If we want to resist the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit in the area of fruit growing in our lives, we can do it. Just stay focused on what we want, what our flesh wants. Stay focused on self. 
Don't surrender. Don't submit. Don't be in the Word. Don't fellowship with other believers. Guarantee you, there is not going to be the fruit produced that God wants to produce in the life of every one of us. Billy Graham preached a message a long time ago. I don't even know how many years ago this sermon was from. But he, in this sermon, he was preaching on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said. Now these things, these nine things, are to characterize the life of every Christ-born child of God. But what do we find? We find the average so-called Christian today the very opposite. I'm glad Billy Graham said that and not just me. The very opposite. What's the very opposite of the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the flesh. Anybody know what that looks like? Well, we'll show you. Galatians 5, 19-21. This is so ugly. You wish it wasn't in the Bible. The acts of the sinful nature or the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. When Billy Graham says we ought to see these nine characteristics in the life of every born-again child of God, but what we see is the opposite. And I don't know how many years ago it was he preached that message, but I don't think it's gotten a whole lot better. 80% of the people in America, plus 80% now, claim to be Christians. And the Bible says, how do I know if they're a Christian? You will know them by their love. You will recognize them by their fruit. The primary fruit, I believe, being love, which all the other fruit comes from. Our job is not to judge anybody's heart, but God tells us, you will know them. You will be able to recognize them. Matthew 7, I believe, verse 20, he says, you will recognize them by their fruit. One of the problems with Christianity today is Christians don't look any different than the world. And to make a difference in the world, we need to look different. If we want to impact the world, we need to look different than the world. The world's out there. we got to live in the world. We work in the world. But we need to look different than the world. And the key to looking different is the production of fruit in our lives. That's the key. Producing fruit. Good thing I cut my sermon down from five notes or five pages because I'm only through one and a half pages and... I'm going to stop there because I don't want to. I want to finish what I've got next week, I guess. The fruit of the Spirit. So I would encourage you to maybe try what Casey did. I want to look more like Christ. If the sowing or reaping principle applies to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the world needs it. The world needs more love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control. The world needs it. And if we can sow it by allowing the, that fruit to be 
manufactured and manifesting in our lives, we can make a difference with everybody that God puts in our sphere of influence. So next week we're going to look briefly, not going to go in depth on each of the nine fruit or the nine aspects of the fruit, but we're going to look at those nine attributes and characteristics of the fruit, and then we're going to talk about feeding a starving world fruit. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we, as I have shared this morning, that the words that I've spoken, Father God, bring encouragement to us and not condemnation. Father, I pray that nothing I said would diminish anything that we receive from the Holy Spirit, whether it's the gifts or the fruit or anything else. But Lord, I pray that it would stir in each one of us a desire to be more like Jesus, to manifest those attributes and characteristics of Christ-likeness. So when the world sees us, even though they may not recognize it, they are seeing Christ. And that they will come to us that we might share what you have given to us. Father, as we go our separate ways now, I pray you would watch over us and protect us. Father, bless the work of our hands. Provide those divine moments where we can share with others the hope that's in us. And God, keep us safe. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.